This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 1. Has Wall Street and Retirement Planning Failed? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you guys along with us on the ride. Uh, My name is Mark Willis, and in the studio today we have Holly Bach. Hey there, Holly. Hi, Mark. Welcome, everyone. And Katrina Willis. Hello. So uh, this is our very first episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, and we're going to get into some pretty incredible stuff. Uh, But right at the top, we just want to tell you a bit about who we are, why we're doing this, and uh, dive into the content that we have to share with you guys today. So uh, again, my name is Mark Willis. I'm a certified financial planner, and uh, I work as a a financial advisor here at Lake Growth Financial Services, uh, which is a comprehensive financial planning firm here in Chicago, Illinois. Now, uh, Lake Growth and Not Your Average Financial Podcast are, you know, kind of team sisters or whatever. They're working on the same project, but they're also sort of different at the same time. This is really just our chance to get out in front of everybody to tell you a bit about who we are, what we do, and really help you begin to think different about how your money works. You guys have anything else you'd want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is Holly Bach here. Um, as far as my relation with the company is I'm also a financial advisor with Lake Growth Financial. Um, but, you know, we're not necessarily doing this podcast to talk about our, our company or that specifically, but just to um, share with you the stuff we've learned through the work that we've done. Um, there have been a lot of patterns we've seen developed with the clients we work with. And we kind of, I mean, in this position, we hear a lot of the same things over and over. And um, that happens for enough years and enough time. And you start to feel like, okay, I got to do something about this because everyone seems to be having the same problems. And so, um, you know, how can I find a way to to reach more people with uh, potential solutions to those problems and make sure that um, this this pattern doesn't keep developing? So, um, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of who I am, I guess. And the big material that we want to touch on today is how much did Wall Street really do for us over the last, let's say, three decades? You know, is traditional financial retirement planning working? So uh, we've got some statistics. And Holly, I'm curious, would you be willing to read some of these statistics here and, and help us dive on into some of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of these first statistics that we'll we'll talk over here today is um, from a research firm called Dalbar. And so they're a well-respected and most importantly, independent research firm. Um, And so they're not being paid by anyone to um, pad their numbers in any way or to make it look one way that may not be totally in line with reality. And so um, that's the important important aspect there. But uh, so what did Dalbar find? They looked at what the real returns of the uh, stock market were in Wall Street um, over the last 30 years. And they found that the average investor in asset allocation mutual funds, so that's spreading your money over a variety of classes, pretty well diversified. Um, what did? How did that average investor do? Well, over the last 30 years, Dalbar found that they'd only earned about a 1.85% return every year 
over the last three decades. What? That is crazy. <laughs> Say that again. How much <laughs> per year over 30 years? 1.85%. What is that? All right. So put that in some context. Help, you know, like what's inflation over the last 30 years? You know, what's the cost of bread looking like over the last 30 years? Give us some context on that. Yeah. I mean, inflation's been about 2%. Over, over the last couple years. So, I mean, it's not even beating inflation. <laughs> They're uh, negative <laughs> mm-hmm. with that. So people are losing money in the market over the last three decades. So why do people like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman say you can get huge double-digit returns? Like Dave Ramsey's 20-year standing quote is 12% in mutual funds. 12? How much? He says 12% returns. Okay. Well, I know yeah, Dave Ramsey 12%. is a financial entertainer, but what I'm, um, why, how can he get away with that? And how can the prospectuses from these companies publish double-digit returns on an annual report every year? What's the difference between um, average returns and actual returns? I mean, what Dalbar was looking at was what, what is the average investor actually receiving? Um, and so there's there's a couple different factors going into that. Uh, I mean, we could talk about just the returns of Wall Street, which are always going to be different from an individual investor just due to different uh, time horizons and things like that. You know, we have to uh, pull our money out of the market at different points than, than the whole stock market does. I mean, the stock market is always in existence, so it always seems to have these better returns. But, you know, in reality, the average investor is pulling out, putting back in, pulling out. I mean, and that's always going to eat away your returns, your returns for a variety of reasons. Um, but in addition to that, when you're looking at these uh, prospectuses for different mutual funds and you're seeing, um, you know, you can get 6%, 8%, you know, this is the average return of our mutual fund. Well, we can get you 8%. And then you sit down with that Reti- retirement advisor, and they're saying, okay, so based on that 8%, you know, you give us this much money, you keep contributing this much money over the next couple of years with an 8% average return, you're going to be, you know, set for retirement by the time that you're 50. Uh, but the reality, and this is what Dalbar found, is is far different from that because people aren't actually getting that 8% um in, in reality, each and every year, an average is not what people actually experience each and every year because that average is taking losses into account, but it's not actually showing that effect that it has on people's real dollars anytime right. you sustain that loss. Oh, man. And you're getting right to it. I mean, the best performing mutual fund of the last decade gave investors, gave the fund, I should say, 18% every year, 18% every year for the last 10 years. What? Now, the actual investor in that fund, according to the studies, has shown that it was a negative 11%. And I'll put the source to that study in our show notes. But negative 11% every year for a decade. How in the world is that possible? You're bringing it up, Holly. It's, you know, the fund is only required to show average returns on buy and hold. Now, how long does someone hold a fund in their, in their 401k or IRA? not a decade, that's for sure. You know, and uh, the, you can talk about how long people hold stocks. It used to be a lot longer. Now it's actually much shorter in duration. So holding something until kingdom come isn't a strategy. You, it, eventually you have to sell whatever it is is in your portfolio, whether it's you know when it's high or when it's low. And you got to sell it to buy you know groceries in retirement eventually. Mm-hmm. I love that you're bringing up retirement because this is so shocking. You know, if you're coming home with a negative 
uh, percentage after all this is said and done, and that's the retirement plan. That's could have just terrifying. Put it in a that's mm-hmm. terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's servanthood long term. That's not even living the basics. You're not able to afford basic long term care. So. And uh, to just bring one more statistic into the, what you just brought up there is, you know, even those that were taking on, you know, additional risk. So those asset allocation mutual funds that Holly mentioned at 1.85% per year for 30 years, let's compare that to the riskier folks that were doing all stock. All right. So equity funds, equity mutual funds, according to Dalbar, and this doesn't really change. They do this report, the quantitative analysis of investor behavior report it comes out every single year. And there's really not a lot of changes. So the most recent information we have is that those equity investors, stock mostly, uh, earned about 3.98%, so about 4% a year. And inflation, Holly, is uh, 2.7% over the last 30 years. So they're just eking out above inflation by 1.3%. Is it really worth all the ups and downs we've seen in the stock market to just squeeze past inflation by 1%, 1.3% for 30 years. You know, imagine the tumult that we've gone through over the last 30 years. And the big picture is the market will always be undulating. It'll be throwing us up. It'll be pulling us down. It is the emotional roller coaster as much as it is the financial roller coaster. The, the market will continue forever if, you know, uh, all other things being equal, but our bodies and our, our timeline and our need to retire and spend that money at the grocery store is not an infinite time horizon, unfortunately. So we do have to sell. And of course, mutual funds can, you know, report buy and hold forever. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're also not taking um, fees into account mm-hmm. either or taxes, uh, with yeah. these numbers. Um, and so <sighs> you have a prospectus that's showing you 18%. That's what they've averaged. That's fantastic. I mean, who's not going to sign up for that? And they'll still list their fees because they legally require to list their fees in there as far as what the fee to the mutual fund is, but they're not taking that into account with that actual average return that they're listing. They're also not taking into account the fees of the manager, the money manager that is um, purchasing that mutual fund for you. And then obviously, you know, Mark, like you said, people are constantly going in and out of different funds, you know, selling, buying, selling, buying. And um, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure people know this and are aware, but there is a fee every single time you sell and every single time you buy. Just just a little bit that gets trimmed off every time. They're not doing this for charity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just just the, the mutual fund itself, you know, not not to mention um, everyone else that, you know, it's taking little little bits here and there. And so you add that up over 30 years and yeah, no joke that's going to add up, um, especially if you've been buying and selling consistently, you've been very active in it potentially, you know, you're going to see um, some, some money fall off there and then that's going to result in a lower Av- or overall return, actual return than what they're listing as these averages. So how do we see the true return in a portfolio? There's actually another calculation that I would recommend our listeners check out. You can Google this. You can probably find it anywhere, any number of websites. I know MoneyChimp has a good one. Uh, there's probably two dozen other ones out there. You could look up the compound annual growth rate, C-A-G-R. That's a really nice time-tested uh, calculator that I think more appropriately looks at 
the geometric mean, which is the more appropriate way to look at true return than the average returns. You know, averages can mean nothing, right? Uh, let's do a quick, fun experiment, all right? So let's say that I've got, um, you know, a mutual fund, and Katrina, you want to invest with me. So you've got always. 10. Always. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I mean, I've got, you've got 10 grand you want to just put in my mutual fund. And let's say that, let's say I double your money in the first year. So you put in 10,000 bucks. At the end of that first year, you should have... 20,000, but technically a 10,000 gain. Yep, there you go. So 20 grand. That's very smart. Yeah, very good. And so 20 grand at the end of the first year, you're feeling great. You're you know happy with me. Next year comes around and I lose half your money. I give you a negative 50% return. It was a terrible year. Uh, you know, you're not too pleased with me. At the end of the year, from 20,000, cut it in half. How much do you have at the end of year two? 10,000, which is what I started with, which is a 0% gain at okay. that point. All right. Back to zero. Actually, it's negative if you factor in the time value of money. Wow, you're really getting... Oh, man. Oh, wow. Nitty gritty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this again. You're three. I double the money again. We're back up 100%. You're back up to 20,000. And then in year four, I again lose half your money and you know another negative 50% return from 20,000 down to your original 10,000 bucks. So four years have gone by. If you, if you took the average return of what I just performed for you, your average return would be a nice 25% rate of return. But like you mentioned, the geometric mean would be zero. And it's always that case. The average return is almost always, in fact, I'd say always higher than the real return. Okay, so let's just stop there for a second. So you just showed us a way that you could legitimately and mathematically correctly show a 25% average return, but in effect have no more money than when you started. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're talking about when it comes to these statistics that Dalbar found and what people are seeing in prospectuses and what people are being told their mutual funds are doing for them. And so, I mean, that's that's crazy, you know, that you can have because 25 percent. I mean, you were just talking about the best performing mutual fund was saying 18 percent. And so who's not going to sign up for 25%? I mean, you smack that on a prospectus and, you know, you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a single person that didn't want to buy your mutual fund. But we just showed how really every single investor in that mutual fund could have no more money than when they started, mm -hmm. if that, yeah. was, that was the case. Now, of course, I'm sure, um, you know, people out there are thinking, oh, well, 100, negative 50, 100, negative 50, you know, when is that ever going to happen? And I would agree with you, 100%. It's probably going to be pretty hard to find in any given year. However, negative 50%, that can happen. And it did happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, 07 to 09. Mm -hmm. I mean, stock market was down 40%. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you may not. Yes, you know, our example, it's not realistic, doesn't align with what might, might actually ever happen in reality. But that's because you're never going to have that good of a year, not because you're never going to have that bad of a year, potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just, just keep that in mind. Um, with the fact that, you know, is it going to be worth um, those negative years and down years that right. could possibly happen? And people think, oh, if I lose 50%, I just need to get 50% back, mm. right? They, they think it's equivalent that way. But no, it's actually the bad years hurt more than the good years help. You mm -hmm. need more than 50% just to break even. And, uh, you know, another statistic that we wanted to bring up, speaking of 50, 
52 uh, percent, over half of American households, will not be able to maintain their current lifestyle in retirement. That's according to the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. So this isn't just a mathematical experiment. This is like we're talking about our aunts and uncles, our parents, our grandparents, ourselves, maybe even you. The odds are officially better than even that you and the average person listening uh, are going to have to reduce their lifestyle. So think single-ply toilet paper, everybody. <laughs> think uh, cat food for lunch. Well, the systemic reactions <laughs> are overwhelming too, like thinking about when you're in the market like this and seeing these swings, you lose sleep. Right. When yeah, you lose mm-hmm. sleep, you have health complications. You're not good to your family right. when you lose sleep. So you probably have estranged family members. You're mm-hmm. out of whack, out of control. And and then you don't have enough money to buy groceries after you're not bringing a substantial income later in retirement. I mean, it's it's a big picture problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like a disease. Right. No, it, you know, so sanity doesn't just mean picking, you know, um, you know, picking up a self-help book or, you know, learning to to have a quiet time in the morning or something. This is about, you know, choosing financial strategies that make sense and are sane in an insane world. We've really been I think over the last 4 or 5 decades we've really been taught that this is supposed to be normal, right? Where is it written that we have to do all this insanity in the stock market just to get to retirement? Where does it say on on a on written tablets somewhere that we must put all of our money with a money manager who's going to take 1% of our uh, nest egg whether we win or lose? Mm-hmm. When I think even just to bring it back a little bit to the work that we do, I mean, there's a reason that we're talking about this. And it's, you know, we mentioned earlier, it's, we're seeing this in reality with the clients that we work with. I mean, I can't tell you the number of, of clients I've had walk you know into my office and sit down with me and they tell me, um, you know, I, I ask them, what what do you think you've been getting in your, your 401k, IRA, this mutual fund, whatever, over the last couple of years? And they always spit out some 6%, 8%, 10%, 12% number, you know, whatever it may be. It's typically somewhere in that range. But then what happens when we actually look at the CAGR, the actual returns they've been receiving, is we get a lot closer to these numbers we've been talking about in the statistics. And so, you know, people, you know, maybe you, listener, are thinking, oh, well, I know I'm doing way better than this. And maybe you are. Maybe you are, and I, you know, good for you. <laughs> um, but Tell me also, what you're investing in. <laughs> yeah, but then also maybe you're not, and so I would encourage everyone to think about that and to look at what they're actually receiving. You know, what is your actual re- real return? And you know, Mark kind of pointed you guys in the direction of a handy calculator, but. If, even, if you're not able to do that and, and you're not really sure, oh, how, how would I even figure this out? How would I even go about that? I mean, give us a call. We'll help you figure it out. I, I do this every day for clients, helping them kind of unravel maybe some of the, the lies they've been told or the misconceptions they have about their financial situation. And we'll help you figure out your real returns. And if they're, if they're good with you, awesome. You know, if they're not, then maybe, you know, what we can talk about um, other possible solutions for you as well. So. Very good. Yeah. And what we're going to be doing over the next few episodes is going to be exploring a few other major myths and uh, maybe some problems that are facing the average person, average American. And again, we're here to talk about what is not average. We're here to discuss how to become weird. (laughs) <laughs> how to get out of the average return and awesome. become yeah and become true right uh, the true return or the average return 
the, the average investor or the true investor. And we're here to really help you guys unpack not only the problem, which is what we're going to look at for the next two or three episodes, but also for the next, you know, untold number of episodes, solutions and strategies that help you uh, live a more sane and I think a better, healthier financial life and other other areas of your life as well. So if you'd like us to answer some of your specific questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can get us at NYA, that's not your average, nyafinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. Also, if you guys like the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, head to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a comment. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.